Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to Be Amplified, the podcast with Bree and Thais, episode number two. Hey Amplifiers, welcome to Be Amplified, the podcast. My name is Thais. And I'm Bree Seely. We are the co-founders of the Amplify Collective. A movement aimed at radically disrupting how purpose-driven women connect and operate in the world. Because we believe it's not just what you do, but who you are that matters. Each week, join us for messages and interviews that will leave you feeling amplified and ready to change the world. Let's do this. We're coming to you from sunny Los Angeles. It's a beautiful day here today, and we could not be more excited about today's show. We have a phenomenal guest that will be sharing their secrets to live an inspirational and badass life. PJ Dixon is a love guru, and we have such a mind-blowing conversation to share with you on his take of love, purpose, and all things amazing. But first, let's talk purpose. I feel like there's so many conversations in the world right now about what it looks like to lead a purposeful life. Yeah, so we kind of wanted to share with you guys how each of us discovered our purpose because I feel like it's so important to hear what other people have done on their journey to kind of see where you fit in that uh, in that part of your story as well. Yeah, so first, you know, one of my deep, deep beliefs is that purpose is not just what we do on this planet. Yes, of course, we all want to feel talented. We all want to feel like we're contributing to our planet's greatness, to our planet's perfection. And what if we, just by leading the lives that we lead, what if that alone was our purpose on this planet? To learn from every experience that we have. So everything that comes to us is an opportunity for us to learn how to love despite the obstacles, learn how to persevere and not take anything, everything so personally. Like what if our purpose was to really, really, really heal and love and grow from everything that comes our way? So for me, you know, some of you know my story about two years ago, I was running a fashion brand and had a day job. And uh, was totally, completely unhappy. I was really miserable and uh, 
I think the thing that I love about, you know, how my purpose came to me was that it came to me through my fashion brand. And while I had always seen in my mind's eye that my fashion brand was my end goal, what it actually became was just a part of my journey. And because I was in that place, I was able to open up then to the next part of my path and discover my journey. Oh my gosh, Brie, can we unpack that a little bit? Because I think that that's brilliant. I mean, I'm sure there was a point in your life, right, where you really believed your purpose in life was to be a fashion designer. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, my grandmother taught me how to sew at, at the age of seven. I have two degrees in fashion design. I had absolutely put myself in that box of that's who I was in the world. So, so if you could tell your younger self now, hey, listen, fashion design is not actually where you're going to go, would you change your path or would you continue to have gone in the fashion industry? So I actually don't think I would have told her because without being in fashion, the day that my purpose came to me, the day I had my, you know, as Thais and I call it, divine download, I was cutting fabric. I was in my office fulfilling an order. And so had I not thought that fashion was my be all end all, had I not been there, you know, sweating tirelessly in my office that day, I don't know if I would have been able to receive the information about my purpose. Okay, so I think we need to pause for a second because I think that that is so powerful for all of you who are asking, well, I'm doing this. Is this my purpose? Well, it could be or it could not be, but just by doing what you're doing and doing it brilliantly, right? Because Brie, I feel like when you were in the fashion industry, you gave it your best. You did your all by showing up fully, no matter where you are, where you're supposed to go next will come forward. It will come up at the right time for you to receive it. And so what I would say is that, you know, Thais mentioned just a minute ago, is what you're doing right now your purpose or not? My point of view would be it doesn't matter because whether or not it's your purpose, it is leading you to your purpose. If, you know, if it's not currently your purpose, it is leading you to your purpose. And like Thais said, doing it with 110% of your heart will absolutely open you up to whatever is next in your journey. I think that this is great because it really teaches us that it's really the mindfulness element and, and the being element in our lives that's key. The more we keep pursuing things, hoping that somehow it's going to lead us to happiness, the more happiness runs away from us because truly everything that we want is in this moment and it will take us to where we're supposed to be. So how about we uh, take a deep breath for a hot second? And instead of always stressing about, are you going where you're supposed to be? You just think, wow, I'm right here. And what if I'm really, really, really supposed to be right here? So Thais, tell us a little bit about your story, about how you kind of discovered your purpose. Well, you know, it's so funny when I look back in my life, of course, I'm like, okay, well, now it makes sense why everything came to be the way it is. But when I was uh, eight years old, my dad uh, ran a lab and I would have to go in on the weekends uh, while he took care of some experiments. And I would bring all of my stuffed animals and I set up my, my whiteboard and I would teach to them and I would teach them math and science and whatever I was learning in school. But I also taught them life lessons and how to handle uh, fifth graders that don't like you and whatever else. It, it was a real joy for me. But I didn't want to be a teacher in a traditional sense. And, you know, at that point in time, you were either like a lawyer or a doctor. You don't really understand the gray lines between careers. So I decided because I have such a natural propensity 
to be argumentative and to be vocal about my opinions that I was going to go to law school and I was going to be an amazing lawyer. Whoa, wait, wait, you're argumentative and have opinions? What? <laughs> this is why I need a spiritual practice, everybody. <laughs> so yeah, so I went to uh, undergrad in business because I thought that would be the best, the best undergrad uh, degree necessary to go to law school. And I took my LSATs and I was really disappointed. It was life shattering that I received a low score and I couldn't go to the the law school of my choice. So I had to recalibrate and I had to decide what to do. And that was the biggest blessing of my life, the recalibration, because I really had to ask the hard questions of did I really want to go to law school because I wanted to be in law or was it really just because I wanted to make money and this everyone told me that this was my natural gift. And uh, so I moved back home with my parents and I went into a, a job that I, I didn't like and it was temporary. I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do and if I should take the LSAT again. And then I went into a yoga class. And the minute I got into my first vinyasa flow, I knew this was what I was supposed to teach and this is what I was supposed to do. And then every decision thereafter has been what can I do with what I have and where I am so that I can teach yoga and I can be a coach and support other women who are going through a similar experience. So, yeah, I mean, you know, looking back, did I know that this is where I was going to be an entrepreneur? Hell no. I mean, I don't even know now if this is where I'm supposed to be or what's coming next. Am I going to be an entrepreneur for the rest of my life? Who knows? I mean, I love it. Right. And I, I think I can speak for Brie that she loves this. Yep. But when we get too attached to our titles, coach, uh, teacher, uh, entrepreneur, we close ourselves from possibilities. We close ourselves from doors that we never even knew we wanted. And I think that's true of purpose. If we get too caught up thinking, oh, this is my life purpose. I am meant to be a graphic designer. And then an opportunity comes your way that looks to be nothing like what you think is, but could lead you to something even better, you would say no to it. And I think that that's a real shame. So speaking of saying no to things, um, you know, Thais and I talk all the time about how it's not just what your purpose is or, or how it looks or, or any of those things, but, um, you know, in the hero's journey, we get to choose whether or not we take that call to action. Mm. Like we, we get this information, you know, I got the information about the Inspirational Woman Project, and I got to choose whether or not I was going to say yes to it. So, Brie, tell us, what inspired you to say yes to something that was so radically different than anything that you were doing before? So, I think for me, honestly, it was a little bit of night being naive, I guess. <laughs> like, I literally had no idea what I was getting myself into, um, so originally it came to me as a blog project and I was like, well, that's easy. I can handle 31 days of blogging, like done, super easy. And it was like a week after I launched that, that I, that I got the invitation to start writing on the Huffington Post. And then it was after that, that, you know, the book idea came. And then now almost two years later, signing with a book agent and all of these things. And so for me, you know, had I seen the whole vision up front, there's a good chance I possibly would not have said yes to it because it gets to be really overwhelming. I mean, I think this is why uh, there's hormones that are injected in our bodies at birth, right? I mean, I'm not a mother, I don't know, but I hear from a lot of women that when they give birth, they afterwards, they kind of forget the whole experience. They forget the pain. It's like their body knows that if a mother remembers the pain of childbirth, <laughs> she would never do it again. And we would not have a human race as we know it. Because if we really knew what it takes 
takes and what it looks like, the full picture, I don't think any of us would say yes to our calling or to going to the hero's journey. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there's some truth to that. Again, also not a mother. But, um, you know, had I known the sleepless nights and the body fatigue and the overwhelm and the, you know, and not to say that's all I focus on because I definitely focus on the greatness and the expansiveness and the good things that are coming out of it. Um, but it can be a little overwhelming to look at the totality of, you know, and for me, I, I take a great responsibility through it. I don't look at it as a small thing. I, I look at it as a, as a gift, a responsibility that has been bestowed upon me to bring this project out into the world. Um, so yeah. So what, what caused you to say yes? Why'd you say yes? Oh my goodness. I feel like because I didn't really have any other option. I mean, I was miserable at my full-time job and believe it or not, I call myself a reluctant entrepreneur because I found three full-time jobs before I said yes to entrepreneurship, each time thinking, oh, this company is just going to sweep me off my feet and it's going to be everything that, you know, corporate jobs are supposed to be like. And I, I secretly hoped that Google would just take me on and I would get to work at a really cool space. And I always hoped that some umbrella would sweep me under and it never happened. Every job that I took, I was like, no, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. And eventually I got to the point where, um, you know, I was deciding whether I wanted to move to L.A. And everyone told me, Taze, you have to find a full time job in L.A. and you have to get really comfortable there first before you become an entrepreneur. And looking back, yeah, I think that probably would have been the easier decision. But every time I went to Monster.com and I, you know, put my cursor on, on the search bar and I was about to type something my heart just dropped because I, I didn't even really know what I would type in. What would I do? Be social mediaing for somebody making $25,000? Like I wanted to make money and I wanted to do it doing something that I really radically loved. And so I was like, you know what? This is what I have to do. So I think, Brie, I just didn't have a choice. And I think after a while, this is what happens in the hero's journey is you get this call to adventure and you keep receiving this call. And eventually, if you don't answer it, the universe is just going to fucking drop you in it. And you're just going to have to say yes and, and, and do it and hope for the best. And so that's what I did. I moved to L.A. I quit my full time job and I went into entrepreneurship after being in my business for four years and uh it's been quite the roller coaster, and like you, I don't think I would have said yes had I known the full vision. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that you can take away from right now is you don't actually have to know the full vision. No, absolutely not. I honestly, like you know, we've said, I actually think it's better to not know the full vision. Yeah, just you know, trust the the next part, trust the the calling, trust that by saying yes, it will take you to the next place. Yeah. It doesn't have to be your full purpose. You may not know if that is your full purpose, and that's okay. Your purpose is to listen to your calling of the soul, right? Your soul's calling. It will take you on an adventure. And that adventure is more important than the end journey. Mm -hmm. Whether you become a six-figure, world-renowned, motivational, blah, 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 it doesn't really matter. Because if you're not enjoying the ride, if you're not enjoying the everyday experiences, guess what? You're going to get to that destination. You're going to look around and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I don't know if this is even what I wanted. Or I can't even accept this because now I have even bigger goals, even bigger visions. And then you're never really happy. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop moment, right? 
So part of, I think, purpose is really believing that you don't have to have this very fancy, I wanted to be a doctor since I was two years old, therefore, you know, now I'm a doctor and I'm fulfilled. It doesn't have to look like that. It can look like a lot of changes. It can look like a lot of stagnant moments and then momentum. It can look like changing a lot. It doesn't have to look like one thing. I think that's one of the biggest things for me that I kind of came to terms with with leaving fashion was that, you know, I'd always thought it was a destination. And so like, well, now I'm in fashion, so I'm just there and that end of story. And the thing over the past two years that I've really kind of embraced as an entrepreneur is that it's a journey. Like you could be an entrepreneur in one sector today and it could all change tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And so... um you know, I think for me, it was really taking myself out of that box that I had placed myself in so firmly with such a tight lid and uh, really opening up to the other options that were available to me and just really embracing the journey aspect of it and remembering, you know, the, the des- there is no destination in life. There really truly isn't. And I think one of the things that go along with the conversation of purpose and, and what is your sole purpose is is around the the concept of desires because I think they're very much linked when we really look at what we want what we really really want and then we do that and we go after what feels good and we choose to do things with ease and what flows and what feels like a yes to us that's really gonna forward uh allow us to go forward in a really aligned way whether you call that living a purposeful life or not, it's all about what can I say yes to that I've been telling myself that I can't have or I can't do right now. What if by the fact that you have a desire means that you have a responsibility to fulfill it, to go after it, to say yes to it, even if you don't know where it's going to lead you. Knowing that your desire, your longing really is your soul saying to you, hey, we need you to step up and level up and go after this. So I think that for me, one of the things in terms of desires and and really aligning with, you know, who I am and what I'm here for in the world has really been my intuition and allowing my femininity to carry me forward in the world. Because, you know, a lot of times we'll get into that place of, well, I have to, or I'm pushing to do this, or I'm efforting and all of these things. We're putting forth all of this, like, push. And uh, for me, it was really when I stopped pushing and kind of allowed my desires, as you were saying, to like, to guide me, like, who do I want to be in the world? What does that look like? How does that feel? And then every time I get presented with an opportunity or get presented with an idea for, you know, to carry me through my purpose or whatever, it's really, does this feel good? Does it align with who I want to be in the world? Um, And, you know, those kinds of things. So I think that intuition has a huge hand in guiding you on this journey and and finding your purpose and saying yes and all of those things. Can I just add one more thing before we introduce our guest? One more thing. Okay. Okay. So I love the um, idea of purpose. And I want to just make sure that we are all clear because this is something I didn't know. And I think it's pretty unfortunate that I didn't know this. But when you say yes to your purpose or when you just say yes to your desires and you just decide that you're just going to do something radically different because this hasn't been feeling good in a while and you're going to try to like be feel more good in your life, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy. So let's remove this idea of it having to be easy. Now, it can be in ease, but I'm talking about specifically the idea of 
easy of, well, once you say yes to your purpose, everything is just going to come and it's just going to be so easy and doors are just going to open and I'm not going to have to do any work. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've, you know, we talk all the time about how social media is like the highlight reel and you look at all these people running businesses and doing all these things and being in their purpose and it looks like a whole lot of beach time and kale smoothies and blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, that's, that's great. And that definitely is a part of it. And, you know, we both have days where we call each other just in tears because we just don't know what to do. We don't know how to move forward. And, uh, I think that, you know, there is a certain ease to being in your purpose and it feels really good and you feel in alignment and it does still mean that there's work involved, that there's, you know, not effort in terms of like pushing effort, but like you have to put in the work yeah, to, to move forward in the world. It's about taking bold action and, you know, things like that. And co-creating, right? I mean, we're not in this alone. We got the support of God or the universe or whatever you want to call it, our soul, our highest self. We're always guided. So yeah, we got to do our half and trust that the other half is going to be taken care of. So I think that that's Part of this purpose conversation is first, you know, really, really know that purpose is not only necessarily what you do. It really can be just this journey of life and being mindful in every aspect of your life and and say yes more often. Step into the flow of what what it's like to really focus on doing things that feel good. And hopefully our story has inspired you to to look at your life and know that you don't have to have the bigger vision. You don't have Mm -hmm. to have the full picture before you just decide to take this one step. Just one step is all it takes for you to then take the next and take the next. Yeah. All right, Bree, are you ready? Am I ready for what? For the amazing guest that we have on. Oh my gosh, I was totally born ready. (laughs) All right, so I want to introduce you all to PJ. PJ's mission in life is simple, love deeply and teach others to do the same. He's a lifelong motivational speaker, spiritual teacher, and relationship coach. He's also the creator of Learning to Love, a four-step program designed to help people reconnect with their heart and learn to love themselves, their lives, and others more completely. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. So despite his disability, which was expected uh, to take his life by the age of seven, he chose to live and live well. 40 years later, PJ's a 10th degree black belt, martial arts and women's defense instructor, meditation teacher, former wheelchair athlete, adventure seeker, watercolorist, author, and in the National Hall of Fame for People with Disabilities. Whew. Welcome, PJ. We're so happy to have you today. Thank you. I'm really honored to be here. So tell us, what does it look like for you to live an amplified life? Uh, This is a great question, right? So let's get right to it. What does it mean to live an amplified life? First and foremost, um, it matters that you are connected to your soul integrity. Soul integrity, S-O-U-L integrity and (laughs) S-O-L-E integrity. Why were you born? Who are you and what is your purpose? And it doesn't necessarily relate to jobs and work. It relates to who am I and what do I want to do in my life? What do I want to experience? Where do I want to live? What do I want to learn? And so an amplified life is cutting away all the fat all the distractions, because this humanity that we live in is literally filled with tons and tons of distraction from um, sounds to movies to television to music to foods, Facebook, anything like that. These are, can all be distractions. They can enliven and enrich your life, but if they become 
weights to you, if they're anchors, if they have a hook in them, if they pull you away from what you really want to do, if you don't feel like you're alive, like you hear the sound of my voice right now, it's kind of muted, right? That's not an amplified life. So like Michelangelo said, when they asked him, yo, Mike, how do, they, how do you know what to carve out of that stone? Because that's how they talked back in the day, right? <laughs> my man Mike said, shoot, dog, I don't. I just chip away what don't belong. My man Michelangelo actually said, I don't. I just chip away what isn't art. And that mm. is an amplified life. Art, when you are literally expressing the art within you, the creativity within you, the authenticity within you, that is an amplified life. And the only way you find that authenticity within you is to stop, pause, and listen to that soul integrity. What are you being called to do right now? And it's often something completely different. And it often doesn't even have anything to do with your job. And it often may not even have anything to do with your geographic location. If you ask me most of the time, PJ, what would you rather be doing right now? I'll tell you sailing. Almost always I would rather be sailing. Why? Because there I find my authentic self. Everything else washes away and real truth exists. And the only truth that exists for me is love. Mm. so beautiful beautiful so tell us pj how did you find your soul purpose Mm, you know i have to tell you i was probably just born into it um there there's been a process too of distractions that have led me away from it but my soul purpose love deeply and teach others to do the same is a much more profound perspective than just helping people learn to love themselves or helping people learn to love each other in relationships. It's actually going back to your actual core. So for me, I've always been about love since I was a child. And when I was um, 13, my dad put me out to quest. Now, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about in traditional societies, and I'm not um, Native American or indigenous. I don't have indigenous blood um, at all. And so when I was put out at 13, my dad left me overnight in the woods and in essence said, come back a man. And when I came back, they named me in the tradition that I was in, um, little man with great heart. Mm. And then when I came out here to Arizona, my spiritual teachers quested me again. And without knowing approximately 2,000 miles away and 2014, about probably like 15 years later, and approximately 2,000 miles away in different tradition, when I came back from questing there, they named me all-encompassing heart. And that all means universal, meaning all of everything, all-encompassing heart. And that, and these are not the traditional names in the traditional languages. These are, these are the English translations. And so that is my real name. I am love. I don't know anything but love. It's always been my way. And Whenever I sit in meditation or I sit in prayer or I become still, then my real heart is revealed. And that's the real truth. When your real heart is revealed, that's who you really are. That is your authentic self. And when you find that authentic self, it does not matter what you do because you, in that case, when you're bringing that feeling to it, you are literally living an amplified life for yourself and everybody else you touch. And I can attest the moment that PJ and I met in January. I mean, our hearts just totally like connected. His heart is so, I mean, he is literally just like a bundle of love. Like that's, I love that. So you mentioned earlier um, that, you know, people often distract themselves. So how do you, how does someone know if they're distracting themselves from living an amplified life? Are you happy? 
I mean, genuinely, honestly, sincerely happy. Like when you come home from work, right, and you're just exhausted, you're tired, and you plop down on the couch and you grab a bag of chips or whatever, you know, a, a thing of peanut butter and a knife, you know, um, and you sit there and you turn on the television and you put your feet up on, you know, up on the table and you're just exhausted and tired. You're not happy, right? You're distracting yourself from the stress that you brought with you home by turning on the TV. You're just taking one distraction, the stress of work or driving or a, br a breakup, whatever the, the situation is in that moment. You are taking that and replacing it with another distraction versus maybe sitting down in meditation or prayer or journaling or art. Art creativity of any sort is fantastic. So if you're an artist um, or if you, you know, if you're an artist, but you don't do art because you don't think that you're good enough and you're afraid to like actually do your art because, well, somebody might see it and then they might say something about it. Do it anyway, because that's when you will come into your authentic self. You will know when you are distracted if you are unhappy. And the moment you do something that you want to do, even though you might be tired and exhausted, you'll feel inside your own heart, inside your own soul, pulse through your whole body, your head, your neck, your ears, your nose, your toes, your fingers, your tummy, your belly, your chest, your back, your bottom. Everything will tingle and you'll feel, I feel like I'm alive. And I'm so happy that even though I might be tired, I'm so happy I'm here or I'm doing this with you or by myself or whatever it is, you'll feel like you are full and complete. That's how you know. If you don't feel full and complete, you're not quite there yet. I love that so much, PJ. I actually just had this conversation with uh, one of our dinner parties. We were talking about purpose and how purpose and happiness is so connected. And it can really feel the more happy you become in your life, the more you start to say yes to opportunities and start to say yes to uh, gifts that come your way that allow you to then walk the path of your purpose. So for those of us that are listening that feel that they're very distracted and they feel unhappy, but they're just stuck in this cycle, what would you recommend for them to get out of the cycle and start leading that well-lived, amplified life? First, I want to say this. Let's make a clear distinction between scarcity mentality and abundance mentality and real infinite um, abundance, real true abundance, okay? And I want to make this distinction because scarcity mentality is the mentality that often leads us to unhappiness, right? We're not amplified when we're in a scarcity mode. I don't have enough money. There's not enough. There's nobody out there for me to fall in love with. Um, I, I, I don't have a teacher around that I want to learn from. There's no spiritual um, person that I can reach out to. There's not a yoga studio I can't afford. Whatever it is, scarcity mentality. We all know that it's a terrible place to be. Everybody has been in there for at some point in their life. No worries. Let's move on, right? Mm -hmm. So abundance. Everybody talks about abundance now, right? And they say, oh, abundance is, and this is leading to me I'm making a suggestion on what they can do, okay? Abundance mentality is this idea of, oh, everything is available to you. Just open up to it and it will flow through you and it's available and accessible to you right now. And that is absolutely 100% true. The problem is there's a filter 
It's called your intellect and your mind. And that filter, that intellect and your mind creates resistance for you. And you can only believe so much of it. And you can only prolong that sense and that belief for so long without continued practice. When you actually practice that and you start to open up more and you let go more, this is leading to it. You let go more. What happens when you let go more is you start to release this membrane of what you've defined as abundance. Okay, if you think when we say abundance, we put a, a shape to it. The Tao in the Tao Te Ching says that which can be named is not the eternal and that which is eternal cannot be named. And so when you say abundance, you create limitations still. But when you feel abundance, and this is leading to it, when you sit down in meditation or prayer or art, or running, or jogging, or going out in the desert by yourself, or journaling, right? When you sit down with yourself, by yourself, and you let all the other distractions go away, and you journal, or you paint, or you write, or you draw, or you sculpt, right? Or you pray, or you meditate. When you do one of these, what happens is that which confines you, and that which your, um, your mind is confined to, meaning that which is defined or, or spoken or named has definition to it, and that definition creates limitations. But when you drop into your meditation or your prayer or your art or your creativity, all of a sudden those limitations start to wash away, and that solid membrane, that solid surface that created definition and a name for something, a container for something like abundance starts to dissipate, and when it dissipates, there's space in between what used to be a barrier and you start to really access and tap into that which is eternal, that which is the divine, that which you already are. And when you tap into that and you are open and connected, now you are profoundly living an amplified life and you are profoundly in real and true abundance. And there's no separation between you and that which exists. And there's no separation between you and that which is, is and was and always will create. Oh. There's only unity and power and profoundness. Mic drop. Mic drop right there. <laughs> that was so beautiful, PJ. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I got so many yummy goodies from that. Yeah, totally. So you mentioned a little bit earlier about this cycle of not feeling enough. So um, talk to us. Have you ever felt unworthy of your gifts? And if so, how did you overcome that? You know, Brie, for the people who can't see me, um, let me tell them a little bit about what they would see if they could see me. Um, I'm four feet tall in my wheelchair. I'm maybe five two if I were to be able to stretch out and stand up. Um, I'm incredibly skinny because I have a very rare form of muscular dystrophy that has caused the vast majority of my muscles to atrophy. So I, I literally, aside from my face, and even then that's fairly thin, um, I look like a skeleton with skin draped over it. And that's okay because that's who I am. That's who I chose to be in this existence, in this life. And also to add to that, I have a profound curvature in my back where my pelvis bone rests less uh, rests um, sitting on top of my thigh bones, okay, my femurs. And then so my hip goes forward, my spine goes forward, and then I curve it up in my lower lumbar so that I can sit upright from my, the bottom of my rib cage up to the top of my head. So I am a funny looking little dude. And from kindergarten, even pre-kindergarten through sixth grade, 
I had no problems on having a little girlfriend. In fact, in like second grade, I had two. And I can even remember their names, right? Oh my God, I love this so much. Wait, what were their names? Amy and Diana. Aw. Lucky ladies. Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And then in third grade, um, I'm going to make this story short so I can get to the point. In third grade, I fell head over heels in love with a little girl. I was in third grade. She was in second grade. I saw her once. I was walking down the hall to go into my classroom on the left side of the hall. She was walking down the hallway towards me to go into her classroom, which was on the right side of the hallway from where I was facing. And I stopped before I walked into my classroom. Something caused me to stop, and I was walking at the time with leg braces. I stopped, and I looked. And when I looked, I saw her. And when I saw her, my little heart went pitter-patter, pitter-patter, and I fell in love, and I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know who I was, and I didn't know where I was. And then I went into the classroom, and everything returned to normal. And I didn't see this girl again until um, I was in high school. Um, I don't think I saw her in seventh and eighth grade, which is weird because we would have been in the same school. I saw her again in high school, and it all came back to me. And I was I was a weird little guy, right? So here's the point: Have I ever felt this lack or scarcity or limit? Absolutely, because after sixth grade, seventh and eighth grade. Girls just wanted to be my friends, and that was rough, right? Um, and then in high school, I realized the only way to really make connections with women was to be, become friends with them, and that carried over largely into college, right? And so there was this level of low self-esteem where it came to me associating myself with women and realizing the real value that I offered. And so I always realized that my disability was a gift to other people because I've been raised in front of cameras and televisions and um, on radio shows and in magazines. Because of my disability, I was only expected to live until I was seven. And so I've literally, I've been a speaker since I was seven years old. And I tell you all this because even though I was speaking and motivating other people and I was motivated in so many areas of my life, I was scared to death when it came to being connected to women because I wanted so badly to be seen as a man. I wanted so badly to be of service. I wanted so badly to have someone love me. But listen to what I said. I wanted so badly to have someone love me. Mm. What I didn't realize was that that little girl that I loved, even in high school, the love was different than what it is now. It was I wanted for me. It was bringing into me. It was almost taking, right? Mm. It was I – now, I wanted to like – be good to her too, but I really wanted for myself. And when I saw her again later, like I graduated at 18, I think I saw her again at like 26 or something like that. And um, I'm going to tell you this little piece too, just really quick. Um, so I have, for a lot of my life, especially my like adult life, someone will pop into my head that I haven't thought of. And I didn't think of them. They just popped into my head. Well, within about two or three days, I'll run into them. Okay, so I'm 26, graduated college, just about to move to Tucson, and I'm working in a restaurant, um, ironically, um, with an international studies degree from college. I was working in a restaurant, but it was where what was available to me where I lived um, back in Ohio in that country. And so I had this feeling, and this feeling was, oh, my God, I'm going to see Sharon. Oop, I just said her name. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully nobody will listen to this. I, Maybe we can I edit said, that out. All right. It's okay. It's okay. Because the truth is the truth, right? And so 
Um, I thought of her and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to see her. So I'm all nervous, like right, my little heart's like pitter-patter, pitter-patter, what am I going to do? I'm sweaty, I'm scared, I'm nervous. So I watched for her for two days, nothing. I watched for three days, nothing. Two weeks, nothing. Three weeks, nothing. Two and a half months later, I look up, I get this feeling, I look up and she's walking by the windows of the restaurant. This is how much I loved her. This is how much I cared for her. This is how much and how sincere and, and tight this real spiritual connection was, probably from a previous life. You don't have to believe the way I believe, and that's okay. But there was a connection, and that I felt her two and a half months ahead of time. And I hadn't seen her in eight years. So she comes walking to the restaurant. I walk her to her table. I talk to her for a moment. I sit her down, right? And I realize that the love for her that I have now is profoundly different than the love that I had for her then. And now it was, hey, how are you? What do you need? What can I do for you? It had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with service. And so all of that answers your question, which is, yeah, I felt really crappy about myself because of my disability a lot in light of not being the man that I want to be. So I also took up drugs in college, and I did that for about two and a half or three years. And when I realized, when I found the martial arts that I study now, and I realized that drugs were not the way, that they had value to me, but what really had value was touching my own heart, my own soul and realizing the value that I brought to other people and realizing who I really was, the little one with a great heart at that time. And now the all encompassing universal heart. I am love. Oh, nothing different. Yes, you are. And I, I love that story. I, I feel like you have overcome so much in such a short period of time to really be the person that you are now being. And, and, you know, I know that so many of us that are listening to you right now feel this touch in their heart when it comes to overcoming fear. I feel like we just live in such a fear-based society where so many, so many of us are debilitated by this fear, whether we know it or not. So, Tell us. Can, can I add to that? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm glad you're saying this because for so long I was afraid to be in my masculine, right? And that means um, expressing my attraction towards a woman, for example, okay? And I'm using this as kind of my primary um, uh, talk topic because this is where I've struggled the most with my own masculinity, with my own honesty about being attracted to a woman because I thought, well, what if I'm attracted to her and she's not attracted to me and then I make it uncomfortable and I don't want to be very uncomfortable, you know, so I'll just move myself into the friend zone. Well, I, I don't care who's listening, men or women, we are going to evolve. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a state of evolution right now. I'm in a state of evolution right now where I am literally reconnecting with my masculinity. And this comes from one of my own coaches, right? She literally was so good. She just asked me questions. And in her process of asking me questions, I've started to come into my masculinity and my own power and my own strength in a way that I've never been before. And it's really fulfilling. And it's really honest and it's really sincere and it's really true. And it doesn't negate the fact that I love deeply. And it doesn't negate the fact that I want other people to love deeply. It doesn't negate the fact that I want to love other people completely and fully. And it doesn't negate the fact that I also still am open and receptive to being loved by others. But what it does do is it honors the the masculinity, the strength, the power that in this moment in my life, in my creation, that I am embodying this masculinity in a way that I have not before. And it is growing me and my relationships and my business 
by leaps and bounds in ways that I never would have in that softer way that I had approached life prior to it. So when you are in a state of evolution, don't resist it because of habits and fears. Embrace it and say, you know what? I'm scared as heck, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to drive forward anyway. I'm going to try anyway. I don't care what other people are going to say. I, for myself, for my own sanity, for my own mental well-being, for my own soul integrity, I'm going to drive forward towards what I'm being called to do. And when you do, the world will open up to you and the world will reveal all of its richness and goodness for you. I love it. And that exactly was my question, which is what do you recommend for those listening who want to lead this beautiful amplified life, but they don't know how to overcome that fear? What is a tool that you've used, PJ, that has helped you in kind of say, you know what, fear, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I need to evolve. I need to step into my revolutionary uh, side of me. And this is the this is just the way it's going to be. And I'm not going to listen to you anymore, fear. You know what, I'm going to say... Let's honor our feelings first. And I'm going to say, if that means cry, cry. If that means be scared, be scared. If that means be worried and um, feel like I can't take action because I don't know how, that's okay too because that's all a start. Okay? Now, here's the thing. You don't have to know how to move into that amplified life. You just have to know that you want to move into that amplified life. And then when you realize there's resistance, there's fear, I'm a little bit scared, Face that, step up to it, admit it, talk about it, tell somebody about it. Even if there's somebody that you're, that you're afraid of or that you're afraid will judge you or um, make you feel more uncomfortable, it's okay to let them know because what you're doing is you're being raw and authentic. And when you're raw and authentic, you're letting that crazy emotion out of you, okay? Because if you've ever been nervous, nervousness is just excitement turned inside. You're not letting it out, right? Excitement is this. I'm super excited and I'm all over the place and all this energy is coming out of me. Well, if it's coming out of me, there's no reason for it to bounce around inside of me. But if I'm contained, all that energy and potential and potentiality is inside of me and it's bouncing around and it's making me kind of nervous because there's a, it's not stable. It's not stable inside of me. So you got to get it out. So how do you get it out? You get it out through journaling. You get it out through talking. You get it out through planning. You get it out through running, going out and jogging and saying, okay, I'm going to get out some of this energy and then getting focused so that you can take action. So the first thing you have to do is admit that you want something different and that's freaking scary. Mm. And then it's okay to say, hey, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to do this. How am I going to do it? And then it depends on what it is um, for the next steps. But generally speaking, the next step is commitment and saying, you know what? I don't know how, but I'm going to take action even if it's wrong. Because it's the action that changes everything. The difference between someone who is successful and someone who is unsuccessful is not anything but the willingness to take action, even the, with the knowledge that you might fail, you might make a mistake, you might look dumb, you might be embarrassed. If you take action, you learn a crap ton. Thais and I are like hardcore, yes. Like fist pumping. Fist pumping over here. <laughs> yes. Right, that's the that's whole improv, right? The rule number one in improv is yes and, and we are improving our lives. Yes. yes, something that has been pre-created and predetermined and pre-agreed upon, and yes, there is a soul integrity in us, and yes, there is a drive in something that we want for moving forward, right? However, there is also the co-creation. 
And co-creation is this. When you are open to spirit and you let spirit flow through you and then you take action embodied with that spirit, as that spirit comes out of you, you are co-creating. You are not co-creating when you say, oh, I'm going to be open and receptive to the abundance of the universe and just let it flow into me and then I'm going to effort my way through everything else because I'm still a little <laughs> bit scared and, res and resistant and reserved. When you open up, it's a little like sexuality, okay? When you open up like the vagina, please forgive me if I'm offensive, but I'm going to keep it real. When you open up and become receptive, like the female um, um, receptivity within sexuality, the vagina, when you open up, the spirit of the universe of the divine source of God flows into you very much like the penis. It flows into you and fills you up. And now the co-creation happens here. When you want something and you set your intention and you take action fully embodied and expressing that feeling of that energy that filled you up and you're expressing that feeling and that energy outward, you are now becoming the penis. You are now expressing outward into the open receptive universe what you want. You are co-creating simultaneously with the predetermination. So you are in that state of evolution always. It just depends on how much creation you want. What do you want your chances to be to impregnate the universe? with what you want, with your riches, because they're already there. The universe is vast and infinite, and there is no boundary or border that you can place upon it. And everything that you've ever wanted has always existed and always will and is always available to you. When you release limitations and you become whole and profound and drive forward in co-creation, unity and oneness with spirit. PJ, you are just fantastic. I feel like we could just talk to you all day. There is a reason that he is called the love guru, guys. Did I get a name mint up in her? <laughs> well, we are so grateful that you joined us today. Can you share with us quickly where everyone can find you and how everyone can connect with you from here on out? PJsWisdom.com. PJsWisdom.com or PJloveguru.com. Currently, they go to the same site. Awesome. And we'll be sure to put that in the show notes for those of you that are listening. So you can just go into the podcast. You can go to the website and grab all his information. PJ, thank you so much. Thanks, love. It was my pleasure. You're one of my favorites. Thank you uh, for being I love with you us too, today. Best. <laughs> and for those of you listening, as usual, you can find us on Facebook at The Amplify Collective. You can find us on Twitter at The Amplify Co. Uh, and if you love this episode, we'd be super honored to hear your feedback on iTunes. These reviews absolutely mean the world to us, and it allows more people to see this podcast on their suggested feature. And who knows? Maybe we'll read some of the reviews on air. Ooh. <laughs> and so be sure to catch our next episode coming to you next week. And if you're in Los Angeles, please connect with us. We have some really great events coming up for you. We have a membership group called The Couturie for women who are really ready to take the next level of connection and expansion in their lives. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, just a reminder, you have everything you need to live an inspirational and badass life every day. So go be amplified. Catch you guys later. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No. 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.